the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's just inevitable. You will follow someone. You will look to someone as a model. You will get probably a lot of people and you will gather things from them. And it's really important that we be discerning so that we don't follow the wrong leaders. And in a church, whether it be our church or any other church that that preaches the Bible, you're going to have some people you shouldn't follow, and you're going to have some people you should follow. S.I. McMillan, in his book, None of These Diseases, tells the story of a young woman who wanted to go to college. But her heart sank when she read the question on the application blank that asked, Are you a leader? Being both honest and conscientious, she wrote, No, and returned the application, expecting the worst. To her surprise, she received this letter from the college. Dear Applicant, A study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it is imperative that they have at least one follower. You know, we're all leaders in one way or another, but we are also followers, or at least we should be. While our ultimate example is Jesus, If we don't have a human role model as well, we're probably headed for trouble. Welcome to Verse by Verse with the expository teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff, teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We've been studying 2 Timothy chapter 3 and considering how to survive in difficult times. One thing that really helps is having someone you see as a spiritual mentor or a leader. But who should it be? That's an important decision. Let's listen as Pastor Steve begins his fourth sermon in the series, and we start to work on how to identify a godly person who can help us become more Christ-like. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 as we continue this series from 2 Timothy, Surviving in Difficult Times, Surviving in the Last Days. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 say this, But you, meaning Timothy, but you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me. And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's just read a little bit on. So in fact, let's read to the end of the chapter. Verse 14, you, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures inspire by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 
Now, the, the ensemble that just played musically does not know this, but one of my favorite songs is a dear old hymn written in 1902 called In Times Like These. Now, they didn't know that I was planning to speak about this, so it's uh, very interesting that they played that song, In Times Like These. And the first stanza goes like, like this. In times like these, you need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure, your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, I'm very sure, your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Be very sure. In times like these. Now that was a song written in 1902, by Ruth K. Jones, and, and she obviously recognized that times were difficult for Christians, and so she penned that song. She, uh, she put it down on paper, she put the music to it, and because she understood something of the spirit in which Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. She understood that times were difficult, that times were rough, not because of economic considerations. Too many people say that. Well, times are hard. I wish there were the good old days, meaning uh, a lot of other things, but uh, not because of economic considerations or political events or contemporary hardships. No, she understood what Paul had conveyed to Timothy 1,900 years ago, at least when she wrote this song, 2 Timothy 3.1, but realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. And Paul meant in the last days, meaning the time from Christ on, difficult times will come for the church. Obviously, society has always had difficult times. That's not his point. The point is, for the church, Timothy, difficult times will come, and you need to understand this. Now, Ruth K. Jones understood this, and we need to understand it. Tough times were ahead for the church. From Timothy's standpoint, he needed to look down the corridor of time and to see that these difficult times would not be leaving. They were permanent. They were here to stay. As long as they were in an age called the church age, there would be difficult times. The whole church age would be difficult. And Timothy could have sung Ruth K. Jones' song back in 65 AD, and it would have been just as relevant and just as contemporary and just as accurate as it is today. And the reason Paul said that times would be difficult in the last days for the church is found in verses 2 through 9, and we have looked at this. And the reason is because of people. People cause the difficult times. People are the problems, not programs in the church, not differences of opinions, but people. And he says in verses 2 through 4, and this is just by way of quick review to bring you up to, to verse 10 so you understand where Paul is heading and where he's coming from. In verses 2 through 4, he speaks of the characteristics of people who will infiltrate the church, false teachers, people who don't know the Lord, people who are not Christians, but will come into the church and will pose as Christians and will deceive many. He says, for men will be lovers of self, and that's the root problem. They love self, and because of that, it leads to a host of other problems. They're lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of God. They're treacherous, he says. They are reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
And then he says, as he stops in in verse 4, he speaks about their moral characteristics. This is the way they are. So understand that there are going to be problems in the church because of these uh, characteristics that are going to manifest themselves in the church. And then he says in verse 5, he adds another way to identify these people. And it's very important to identify them. Verse 5, holding, these people hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. That is to say, outwardly, they are religious, appearing. In appearance, they appear very pious and very godly. Perhaps they use some of the same terminology of Bible-believing Christians. However, it's only a facade. It's only an outward appearance. Inwardly, he says, they have denied the power of the gospel. They have denied the Spirit of God. They They have denied Jesus Christ and his message of salvation. They have denied that. And therefore, Paul says in verse 5, and this is the command, avoid such men as these. Avoid them. That is to say that if you're, he's not saying that if you're walking down the corridor and they're walking down the corridor, you turn your back on them and you be rude. No, he is saying is don't open up your heart to them. Don't be in fellowship with them. Don't join together a kindred spirit. There is no kindred spirit. And the reason being that you cannot get too close to these people, in fact, uh, you ought to avoid them with a fear. There's a terror that's, that's inherent in this word to avoid them because verse 6 goes on to say, you might be their target. They're not just religious people in the church, but they're religious people who want to make converts to follow them. Look at verse 6. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak Women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, impulses, referring now to the women, continuing, verse 7 says, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is to say that they have a proselytizing zeal. They are not content, these false teachers, to just be in the church. They want to gain converts. And so they, they pray and take advantage of unstable women. And that's the thought here. And he's not saying that all women are silly or weak. And he's not saying that, uh, that all men are not weak and that all men are strong. What he is saying is that the strategy of these false teachers is during the daytime, they come to the homes of women whose husbands are not there. And these are perhaps uh, depression-prone women, uh, women who are uh, neurotic, perhaps. They are certainly, as he says in verse 6, they are weighed down with sins. That is to say that they have uh, guilt upon guilt. There's a burden in their life. And it goes on to say in verse 6, uh, because they're led on by various impulses. That is, they, they cannot control their passions. And whether he means here sexual or, or not, I don't know. The point is probably all-encompassing. They are women who uh, are guilt-ridden, and they're looking for any way out of it, any way but Christ. And these teachers conveniently come along and try to sell them a, a, a teaching that will never deal with the real issue, and that's their sin. And so they're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They'll sit down with, with these teachers, and they'll say, teach us. And every fad that comes down the pike, every heresy that comes along, they're open to it. And they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because these teachers will never teach them the knowledge of the truth. So not only are they characterized by self-centeredness, But you can mark these people by their outward religiousness and their proselytizing zeal. Not only that, but in verse 8, he he gives an illustration. And just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected as regards the truth. I told you last week, Janus and Jambres from, from Jewish tradition, which apparently must be accurate at this point. You don't always know when Jewish tradition is accurate. You don't know when any tradition is accurate. You don't know when any history 
always is accurate, except it's based on, on the Bible. But in Jewish tradition, Janus and Jambres were two of the leading magicians who opposed Moses in Pharaoh's court back in the time of Exodus as, as Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And he was able to do miracles because God supernaturally gave him the ability to do this. But Satan counteracted those miracles by Janus and Jambres who were able to, to reproduce some of the same miracles, not all of them. But Paul uses that and he says, these men are like that. They resist the truth. It's not that they are just interested in making converts. It's not that they just teach error. It's that they resist the truth. They are haters of the truth. They don't want the truth. They resist it. They're opposed to it. And perhaps he's even implying in verse 8 that they use supernatural means to do that. And I told you last week that miracles don't mean anything in the sense that uh, they don't prove that a person is really of God because they can do a miracle, because Satan can reproduce that also. So maybe the implication is that there's some supernatural uh, sorcery going on and things of that nature. However, in verse 9, there is a positive note here because you might read this and you might think, wow, this is terrible and the, ch- the church is going to be destroyed. These men are going to just run rampant right over the church and, and error is going to increase and increase and where does the true church stand? So Paul adds this is by way of encouragement in verse 9, but they will not make further progress. That is, men like this, women like this too, false teachers will not make further progress. In other words, their their influence would be limited in making converts. Because he goes on to say, for their folly will be obvious to all as also that of those two came to be. That is to say that they will be limited in the converts that they gain. Eventually, the church will wake up. And there are men and women who started off in evangelical churches, but eventually their true colors came out. And the church saw to it, and the church recognized them as false teachers and as heretics. There are many men and many women who started off in evangelical fine churches, but have deviated from the truth. I, uh, I have a, a book that I, uh, that I have uh, at home that uh, is written by a man who went to a leading seminary in our country, and uh, it, is, it is amazing what he got into. That seminary eventually re- repudiated him and, uh, in a sense, really disowned him. And in fact, they fired him. He, he was on the seminary uh, uh, faculty. And so that's very possible. But what he's saying in verse 9 is the church will not buy into it. Maybe at first they will, but true believers will see through it. And so their folly will eventually, it'll be, it'll be self-evident. Error becomes self-evident after a while. Just give it time. Now that brings us up to verse 10. And what he has said, just by way of, of an outline so you can get a handle on this, to survive in these difficult days so that you have some amount and degree of spiritual victory and spiritual health, you need to know some things to survive. Number one, you need to know the permanency of these days. Don't think you'll lay low and it'll all go away. It won't go away. Don't think you'll just hide on a mountaintop and retreat for your life. Retreats are okay, but you have to come down from the mountain and face reality. So that he's speaking of the permanency of these days. If you understand that, that'll help you. Secondly, the problem of these days are the people. So you can identify the problem so you can avoid them and not fellowship with them. But now he comes to another point because there's more. The Bible usually doesn't just tell us what not to do without telling us what to do. In other words, the Bible does not just give negative commands without usually, without balancing them with some positive instruction. And that's the case 
that, we're, that we have to face tonight in surviving difficult times. It's not enough to avoid problematic people and their false teaching. We have also, and I mark this, we have also got to follow godly people and true teaching. And so tonight, I would encourage you to take this down by way of the third point and the third truth that you and I need to know to survive in difficult days is know the provisions for difficult days. There are two provisions or resources that are available to us that God has given us and has offered us that will keep us from being sucked into the trap of false teachers and their false teaching. Tonight we want to look at the first provision, but there are two. The first provision is godly people. The second provision is God's own word. Another way to say it is holy people and the holy word of God, the holy scripture. Spiritual people and scripture. Models that God gives us and his word. Those are the two provisions that if you hook on to that, you'll not fall into the trap of false teachers. You'll not be sucked into their, their false ways. So tonight, let's look at the provisions for difficult times. And we begin with verse 10. And we're just going to look at the, at the godly men and godly women and godly models that the Lord has provided for us. This is so important, it's so practical. Verse 10 says, But you, that is in contrast, Timothy, you are different than the false teachers, but you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. The first thing that God has provided to keep us from following false teachers is true teachers, true leaders, men and women of God. In Timothy's case, it was who? Paul. In Timothy's case, it was Paul. There there could be no one better. So a marvelous uh, opportunity that this man had, this young Timothy had to follow Paul. He says at the beginning of verse 10, but you, and I told you a moment ago, the but you is in contrast to the false teachers and those who have followed them. Timothy has a different model. Timothy has a different teacher. Timothy is not like the converts of the false teachers. He does not follow them. He follows someone else. Now, I want you to understand this. The word follow is a technical word. It's a Greek word that is a technical term for a disciple as he loyally follows his master. And I'm going to even take it a step further. If you know anything about uh, Jewish culture in terms of a rabbi and a disciple, understand that uh, rabbis always had disciples around them. Rabbis always had disciples. They were their students. They were their learners. And in, in fact, uh, remember when Jesus spoke in the Gospels and they were all amazed. They said, he does not speak like one of us. He speaks with great authority, not like our teachers. What were they saying? It wasn't that the Lord spoke louder than anybody else. It wasn't that he shouted. But all the other men would get up and say, Rabbi uh, whatever name says this. And Rabbi Akiba says this. And Rabbi Rosh says this, Jesus got up and said, I tell you this. And they said, amazing. He's not quoting from a rabbi. That's what they meant. He's not quoting from a rabbi. He speaks authoritatively. He doesn't resort to this one said that and that one said this. That's what they meant. Now, understand that that a disciple followed a rabbi around and a disciple means he was a learner. He sat at his feet. He, He listened to him. And this is the thought here. He followed him. He followed in his steps. He is a loyal disciple. It carries with it the idea of a dedicated servant. Timothy had taken Paul as his model. 
He absorbed his ways and he imitated his ways. It wasn't just an academic thing. It wasn't just that he, that he stood in a classroom and took notes. It was that he observed Paul, his, uh, his model, his example, and he pursued what Paul had taught him and lived before him. And I want to stop here for a moment. And I want to focus in on a very important principle. It's important that every Christian knows that he or she needs to follow the right kind of leaders. Very important. In a church environment, we're all going to follow some leader. We're going to follow someone. A leader or leaders. That's just inevitable. You will follow someone. You will look to someone as a model. You will get probably a lot of people and you will gather things from them. And it's really important that we be discerning so that we don't follow the wrong leaders. And in a church, whether it be our church or any other church that that preaches the Bible, you're going to have some people you shouldn't follow, and you're going to have some people you should follow. I have uh, heard it many, many times, and every time I hear it, 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 it just affirms it in my heart that much deeper that the greatest need of the Christian church is leadership, good leadership. You ask anyone who's really on the front lines. In fact, I heard this recently from Howard Hendricks. I'm, uh, I'm involved in a few courses at uh, Trinity Graduate School, and uh, they had him on a video, and he said, someone asked him a question. They said, Dr. Hendricks, what's the greatest need for the church? And Howard Hendricks traveled not only this country, but all over the world. And uh, professor at Dallas Seminary and used to be the chairman of the Christian Ed Department. You know what he said? He said, without any hesitation, good leadership, good leadership, So important. Why? Because the church will only be as strong as its leaders. Only be as strong as its leaders. Back in the Old Testament, the principle is this. Like people, like priests. In other words, if if you want to know the spiritual climate of Israel, look at the priests, because the people are going to be just like them. Like priests, like people, like people, like priests. This is the whole reason that Paul devotes uh, most of chapter 3 to the qualifications for elders or pastors in the church. And then he speaks of, of deacons and deaconesses. Why? Because they have a leadership role and the church will never get any higher than the, than the, uh, the leadership of a church. The congregation will never rise spiritually higher than its leaders. You show me a church that has poor leadership and I'll show you a church that is poor. So when it comes to following a leader, we need to have a biblical balance. That's something very important. There's accountability that's so important. Our our ultimate confidence is in Christ. He's our perfect example, no question about that. However, Christ provides for us men and women who model him on a daily basis, and we are to follow them as they demonstrate Christ-like attitudes before us. A number of years ago, there was a friend of mine who I noticed was just, um, something was going wrong in his spiritual life. And uh, I don't remember all the details of it, but I, I just knew by things that he was saying in Sunday school classes many years ago, uh, attitude problems. And so I said, why don't we go out and, and uh, let's have lunch together and just talk. It became very obvious to me what the problem was. I, I asked him, I said, who, who are you accountable to? Who, who are you following? You know what he said? I follow only the Lord. Now that sounds spiritual, but that is not spiritual. And he didn't stop that downward spiral spiritually, at least as far as I know. He's out of my life now, and I don't know exactly what's going on. But uh, that's a dangerous thing. No question about it. Jesus Christ is our example. And no question about it that people will fail you. 
But we want to uh, uh, arrive at a biblical balance. If you go to one extreme and say, I don't need anybody to follow, I don't need a, a human model, then you are missing out on some of the great truths of Scripture. Let me, uh, let me show you. Uh, let me say also, the other extreme is to say, I just follow people, I don't follow the Lord. The Bible teaches both. Tony Evans said, leadership in the local church should be determined by spirituality, not notoriety. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he went into considerable detail about how to choose leaders in the church. When we want to find a mentor, it would be good to pay a visit to 1 Timothy chapter 3 for the character traits we want to look for in a spiritual leader. I'm glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're curious about Lakeside, the website offers a great deal of information, including service times and descriptions of the various ministries at Lakeside. Go to lakesidechapel.com. The phone number is 727-441-1714. Our broadcast came from Pastor Steve's sermons at Lakeside. Because of the time slot limitations involved in radio broadcasting, the sermons must be subdivided. So today's program is the first part of one of those messages. You can get the whole sermon on CD if you call the church office and ask for message 6214, Surviving in Difficult Times, Part 4. Call the number I just gave, 727-441-1714. Or go to our website where you can access all of our broadcasts on the Message Archive page. The web address is versebyverseradio.org. While you're there, you can find out about how to help support these radio Bible classes by visiting the giving page. That's at versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Have you ever noticed how boys tend to grow up with many of their dad's characteristics? I have a nephew who walks just like his dad, and he sounds almost exactly like his dad, too. It's almost uncanny. Well, he spent a lot of time with his dad, and he admired his dad, so no wonder they are so much alike. We all tend to become like the people we focus on, so we should choose wisely. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve discusses the importance of that choice. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.